we can use our skills to make the changes and you know not just ourselves by working with other people there's so many amazing initiatives around the world and there's so you know there's so many skills people have got and so why can't we use our skills to build the world we want to live in Welcome to Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about the huge challenges and changes we are facing on this beautiful planet called Earth. My name is Svetlana Klavnesberge, and in this season, I want you to get into action. We all have special superpowers, and we are all needed to get us back on track for a great future. So please join me in my search for superheroes with the superpowers. And if you at some point think that, hmm, I could have done this, then go out and do it. Make that connection, write that email, start that company. With almost 8 billion superheroes on this planet, there's no way we couldn't make it. So let's start. It's game on. Hello, hello, and welcome back to a new story for the future. A keyword for this episode and today's guest is collaboration. I think that we can all agree that the times that we are in call for more and better collaborations and better ways to leverage all the different skills we all have. But how do we actually create better collaborations? And how do we match the right skills with the right challenges? These are things that we will definitely talk more about today. Mark Hooley is a marketing and communication specialist, a founder of Collab Maker and a climate reality leader. He is a soon-to-be dad who enjoys running marathons, cycling across countries, hiking the mountains and, from last year, thanks to the snow in Sweden, cross-country skiing. He is also a lifelong Nottingham Forest fan. He loves traveling and culture. His workdays are powered by an eclectic music selection and a passion for making a positive difference to the world. I can't wait to share Mark's thoughts, ideas and his story with you, and not to mention his vision with the company he has founded recently. So here you go. Here's Mark Hooley. It's so great to have you here, Mark, as my guest. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me today. Uh, and I know you're very busy, as many of my guests are, so I'm really grateful that you could take the time. Uh, and it's been actually a while since I had a climate reality leader on my podcast, but you are one of them. And that's also the way I first met you. Uh, but before we dig into everything that you do and everything you work on, could you just give us the basics? Who are you? Yeah, so I'm a Brit living in the on the west coast of Sweden in Gothenburg. I've lived here for nearly four years now, uh, but originally I'm from Nottingham in England. Uh, but I've also lived in Oxford, London, Luton, and Prague. <laughs> so uh, 
quite a variety of places and we will actually be moving next year for four years up to the north of Sweden because my oh. uh, partner is going to be doing a PhD. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, a bit okay. of a globetrotter. Yes, moving around. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't get boring. At least, so so your background, like uh, like from work or from your studies, where did you come from? Yeah, so like I I probably haven't had a, like a traditional <laughs> career path. I never knew what what I wanted to do. My sister always wanted to work in the fashion industry, and has always worked in the fashion industry. I've I've never had uh, you know such I I want to work in this Mm. industry Um, the school I went to uh, most people actually left at 16 and were expected to work in a factory Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no sick form which is where people do A levels so qualifications when you're like uh, 17 or 18 so I think out of 150 people about 30 people went on to do A levels at the school Mm -hmm. I went to in different colleges um, I went to do mine, failed them, uh, but I didn't want to go to, I didn't have any ambitions to go to university. And then um, I repeated them and decided to apply to go to university because I thought that would be a good incentive <laughs> to to work harder and pass them. Yeah. So uh, I did and passed them. Uh, and then suddenly I was like, oh, well, I might as well go to university now. <laughs> and... Um, you know, that was uh, really enjoyable. Uh, and what was interesting is that it was a university a lot of people went to uh, basically as a second chance because they hadn't done as well as they expected in their levels. Or maybe they were the first people in their family who were ever going to university. It was, you know, it was people from all sorts of backgrounds and it was people who wanted to make the most of, you know uh, the opportunity mm. and also it was very practical so you know we had uh, really interesting assignments one was to how to rebrand Luton the town uh, and that is the town as one of my colleagues uh, in the cafe I used to work at proudly told me had been voted the shittest town in the UK <laughs> five years in a row <laughs> okay uh, and it was quite bizarre that someone would be proud in that, uh, in my mind. Um, but, you know, it's very practical assignments. And I think that actually helped when I, when, you know, myself and also my fellow students moved into the world of work because, mm. you know, we, we, we had a very practical base to, yeah. to go from as well as the, um, you know, the theoretical side. Um, and so I worked in, you know, I studied uh, advertising and marketing communications mm. and then I left um, and actually realised how hard when you go to a, a low-ranked university in the UK, how hard it is to get a job, you know. So a lot of the graduate opportunities go to people who go to top universities. Yeah. And so I spent 10 months working in call centres, uh, picking mouldy potatoes in fields and you know, order picking in warehouses mm. and then got a job in marketing, uh, getting people to donate blood really from the national blood service okay. and decided I wanted to, you know, use my marketing communication skills, uh, to work in, 
sort of a not-for-profit charity sector in the UK. But it's really huge because, mm. you know, we don't have a... In Scandinavia, you, uh, you know, we all pay a lot of tax and the government provides a lot of the services. Whereas in the UK, we've got a huge sector now called the third sector that fills in providing services. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah, so you spent quite a long time in the in different NGOs, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, was it deliberate that you chose that direction? Do you think was it something Yeah, so I mean when I was 14 or 13, I wanted to become a millionaire like <laughs> most people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're that age. Um but then when I I can remember when I left uni People were like, well, what do you want to do now? And thinking, well, how do you know what you want to do until you try it? Yeah, that's very And right. my dissertation at uni was all about download students downloading music. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because it was the time of Napster. So new research was coming out all the time. And I wanted to work in the music industry. Then, but then the more research I did, you know, the more I didn't want to work in the music industry. Um, and then, you know, the, the 10 months I spent doing, you know, applying to different jobs, you know, it really gave me a chance to think about what I wanted to do as well. And actually, mm. uh, I wanted to try and use my skills to create a better world. It may sound a bit corny, but, you know, to try and make a positive difference. And... You know, it's in the UK, that is a very competitive sector, uh, mm. like others to get into as well. So, you know, to begin with, I worked for the blood service as part of the health service. And then it took a while to transition to NGOs. Right. So it's it's kind of in the same area um, you are now, in a, in a way. Um, because now we have to talk about um, Collab Maker. Is that how you pronounce it, by the way? Collab yeah, Maker? yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2020, you launched Collab Maker, which is a social innovation and collaboration platform. So what made this happen? And what is Collab Maker? Yeah, so we, uh, we are a result of a pandemic, you could say. Yeah, yeah. So we all, all lost our jobs at the beginning of the pandemic. And we met at a hackathon called Hack the Crisis Sweden that was basically to come up with solutions uh, related to the pandemic. And we as founders, we ne we'd never met. We didn't know each other. And um, I'm, I'm reasonably creative and I can't code. I failed my A-level in computing 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm reasonably creative. So I went for a run and brain brainstormed by myself and put three ideas up in the Slack channel. Uh, and there were two smaller ideas. And then there was one like I call like a big idea. And that was around, you know, I knew from my work experience that there were lots of organizations doing good in the world. Mm. And I also knew from being unemployed in Sweden that there are masses of people in the world who are unemployed and aren't using their skills yes. or who are, who are employed and aren't using their skills as well. And so um, I, 
the basic idea was, you know, could we make a platform that utilised people's skills and connect them with people doing good things in the world, whether it was mm. existing organisations or whether, you know, there were lots of people with good ideas walking around who haven't made that idea a reality for, you yeah. know, lots of different reasons. And then, you know, we, you know, we basically worked out, we got a team, I got, and worked on it, and we made the idea a lot better <laughs> over the weekend. We made it a lot better since. But the basic premise is, you know, was there's massive challenges that the world is facing in terms of sustainability, huge inequalities, and yet there's masses of skills not being utilised. Yeah. And can we can we match them together somehow? So we utilise people's skills to help tackle the challenges uh, the world is facing. Yeah. It's a very good plan. And I have, I told you before that I I had some trouble a while because I think it was on my side, uh, but logging into the platform. But I did it uh, before this interview now, and now it looks so great, and I can't wait to dig in. And I'm going to be a a regular, <laughs> I think, <Thank> because <laughs> it's so inspiring to see both the the people with the ideas and also the people with the skills. Um, so I you had already some success stories. Don't you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. meeting and yeah, yeah. So we um, we've got a few different ones actually. So we um, basically we we put together a very basic, minimal viable product that basically we did matching automatically, but everything else was manual. And as part mm. of that, we did a trial with a Koffenberg Inventors Association and. Boros Uxhoekskola, which is a local university. And we matched uh, some of the local inventors with some of the local students. And some of them are still collaborating today, more than a year on. So one of them is uh, is a really nice guy. He's uh, basically, he's got a, comp- uh, a company that stores energy created by solar panels. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he does this in Africa and parts of Europe. And, uh, and so he had an initiative about creating a citizen um, foundation um, for, for uh, energy uh, supply, basically. And so people have been collaborating on that together uh, for, no, for, you know, more than a year now. Um, some of them have got better jobs elsewhere who who weren't employed so they went from being unemployed to now having work i think some of them work there now as well so um you know we we realize we've just been in a impact startup accelerator so a program and we realized through that we you know we thought our impact was only helping you know companies and people make more impact so for mm. example this this initiative and other initiatives but we realized we also have a human impact which is silly for us not not to know that uh you know in that people have got better jobs or people have got jobs and people have talked about having more meaning in their life as Mm. well uh so you know and i think the human impact is is a real such a important thing and it's something people really relate to 
as well. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of people are seeking that these yeah. days. Maybe some some results of uh, COVID as well, but uh, I see there's a lot of uh, shifts in the in in work, their work environment, and how people think about their work. I think. Yeah, yeah. I you know I mean again that was one of the, the reasons I guess you know I can remember a, a colleague said to me uh, just you know I think it was in the January time before Europe had got you know, that she hopes the world changes as a result of COVID. And I can remember thinking, the world's not going to change by its own. You know, people, mm. individuals um, need to create change. And mm. there's, I mean, certainly in America, there's talk about the great resignation. Yes. And, you know, I've got friends, you know, a lot of time, a lot of people have spent time reflecting about priorities in life. And, you know, Le- less and less people want to be slaves to their job and yeah. people want to create positive impact and have a healthy work-life balance. Mm. So you have been through some of this transition yourself, like personally work, work-wise, work right? The same as me going from being an employee to to being your own boss and choosing your own path. Uh, how... Have you experienced that, both the the ups and the downs, the pluses yeah. and the minuses? It's been a roller coaster. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, I think uh, so. What's been really important for me? I do a lot of sport, so I do a lot of running and cycling, and also a lot of hiking, and that really helps maintain a, a sort of even level. So yeah. having that space to to get away, and you know we're very fortunate here in that there's lovely wild spaces in close to Gothenburg, but also within Sweden. Uh, mm. My partnership is from the north of Sweden, and you know there's huge open spaces and very little people there as mm. well. So you know we can get away very easily, um, and I think that's really important. But also i think it's you know i think the last two years have probably been the biggest growth journey i've ever been yes. on in my yeah. life and you know i think uh, it's important to ref- be very self-reflective it's really important to understand what your weaknesses are and i think it's really important to understand how to overcome challenges as well and ask for help when you need it as well and not try and muddle through and all one of the big sort of eye-openers for me is how many people are willing to help people who are trying to you know who start a business or decided to do something because you know i think every entrepreneur has been in that position themselves and so We've had so much support and advice and people who have, you know, taken the time to not just get to know us, but have have been really important in our story. So, uh, so what would you say, like when working, as as you said, it's been a, it's a roller coaster. So when, when it's really tough, what, what uh, keeps you going? Yeah, I think um, what keeps me going 
is I I thought I knew how bad the world was mm. or how messed up the world was. And then, you know, the more I work in this area, the the more fucked up the world is. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Sorry, I'm swearing. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I did my climate reality training, I thought I knew, you know, how bad the, the situation was. But it's it's so much worse. Than, and, you know, and I've been to so many talks by lots of different people. And I, I can remember really a sort of standout quote from the chief environmental officer of Microsoft. And it someone presented it and it was within the next two business cycles that every sector of every economy across the world has to be completely transformed for us to avoid the worst consequences of climate change and i believe they said that two or three years ago and since then you know we're getting worse we're not getting closer and so the, the 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 change we've seen in the past two years because of covid and nothing compared to the changes we have to make mm. in the next seven and seven and a bit mm. years um and to me that and also that really uh you know means a lot and also i mean we're we're having we're expect we're pregnant with our first uh, oh, child and we're expecting a little girl in thank you in july and you know, my focus also since started this is basically, and it's interesting because one of the people we met on Cloudmaker said exactly the same thing to me. And and it's always been like, when I die, I don't want to have to look my child in the face and know I could have done no. more. And that, you know, that is probably the biggest driver yeah. for yeah. me um, because... Yeah, we're, we're we're not in a good place in the world. No, no, I I that was what I was aiming for actually, and I I just did a climate reality presentation this morning, and every mm-hmm. time I do it, uh, even if I've practiced before, I I'm a little bit more shocked. <laughs> so to be honest, yeah. and and it's uh, this uh, saying that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and. I think for me, that is very much um, the driver. Every time I do something that I think is a bit uncomfortable or I see that, oh, I will have to earn a lot less money on this or something like that, I look for this necessity. And it's exactly the same as yours saying there that I I know how old my children will be in the year of 2050, for instance. And I don't want them to be in uh, be in the mess that we're yeah. we're at the path for now. So uh, I'll do everything that I can. So yeah. yeah. And I I think one of the scary things for me is I'm worried that the predictions in terms of 2030 are actually we're in a worse state because if we look at all the flooding. And all the adverse weather were already affected. You know, it could be that actually it could be 2028, the worst change, or maybe we're approaching it soon. In that, 
I mean, we, we don't know <laughs> is the answer, but we we are somehow uh, assimilating ourselves or desensitizing ourselves by reading these stories around the world every day and it's not really impacting how mm. ma- many people live. Yeah. And, and there's so many different levels. You know, I went to a, we went to a climate exhibition, climate uh, change exhibition in Nordiska Museum in Stockholm. And they, really good exhibition. They didn't have vegan food on the menu in the, in the cafe next to it. And um, just simple things mm. like that to me is a bit mind-blowing if we can (laughs) yes it's actually so easy so i think it's the awareness i guess that is it's just not on people's mind probably uh but on the positive note then that um it says also i don't know who said this but i i i read it somewhere that Necessity is the mother of invention. No, if necessity is the mother of invention, it's the father of collaboration. <laughs> so that's that's for you, for a collab maker. How do you think or how do you aim at growing this? Because I see that you're, you're really thinking globally. And I think that we need to do that. That is also the reason I have this podcast in English even though it's a bit more uncomfortable for me. <laughs> but I think that we need to like connect ideas and people on a global level because we have so much to learn from each other. So how how are how do you work to get it as reach as far as possible? Yeah, it's a very good question. And it's something that happened um if I'm being honest not by design certainly initially and that we we wanted to be global but we initially we were very focused thinking let's do it in sweden or target sweden and estonia actually because estonia is very forward thinking in Mm. terms of technology and very open-minded and sweden is obviously where we live um but we quickly realized that we had people straight away from lots of different countries in the world register and so we we were like, actually, we need to think international uh, from day one. And what's been really interesting is that people, and COVID has completely helped with this, people don't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter whether you're in Europe, Africa, America, Asia. People seem willing to want to speak to each other about collaborating together and learning from each yeah. other, which is really important. And linked to what you're saying you know i mean copenhagen is fantastic with the targets they've got in terms of uh sustainability by 2025 uh but there's no point copenhagen having those targets in the rest of the world is lagging behind Mm. and so you know in our mind we have to you know we have to learn from each other and we we have to work together because these are global issues and people in, you know, the global south and in particular countries near the equator are obviously and often native um, citizens are obviously, uh, you know, more affected by climate change. For example, the Sami people in the Nordics and uh, there's huge uh, challenges, um, 
you know, with snow melting and then refreezing and melting in terms of reindeers. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we have to think globally uh, to these things. Um, yeah. How has the, the Climate Reality Network helped you in this way? Because I, I see myself, I meet so many people all over the world through this network. And, and I think you attended a virtual uh, training, right? So I guess yeah. you met a yeah. lot of people through that, right? Yeah, so I attended virtual training, although it was a Sweden-based training. Uh, yeah, um, but, you know, for example, I put a little message on the Climate Reality Hub and straight away we had people from all parts of the world register. So we had some people in Australia, some people in Africa, some people in America. And, you know, and the way I see us is that, you know, it's, education is so important and raising awareness is so important in terms of climate climate change. But we have to, we have to use our skills uh, to make change because I don't have any faith in politicians making a change and you know i think anyone who, who saw cop 26 and um basically but we can use our skills to make the changes and you know not just ourselves by working with other people there's so many amazing initiatives around the world and there's so you know there's so many skills people have yeah. got and so why can't we use our skills to build the world we want to live in. Exactly. And I think we have it in us. We, we can do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, so I think that um, one of the things that I think we should do more is to try to imagine the future the way that we want to see it. Because if you have this clear picture of what is your goal and where you want to be, then it's a lot easier to, to hit that target. So my, my, one of my standard questions in the episodes is it's 2030. And if you could set a stage for what the world looks like at, in that year, what an ideally, this is the ideal version, version, what would it look like? Yeah, so uh, I really like the question. Um, I think from a very basic, you know, we treat other humans with respect and uh, we, work, we work collectively and collaboratively more. And that is seen as a go-to activity. And by that, I think also we, we think of challenges we face holistically. So, you know, if I run an organization that is helping newcomers to a country, I work collaboratively with other organizations who are helping newcomers because together we can make far bigger difference. Whereas if we're not doing that, we're basically trying to maintain our organization rather than really making a big difference mm. we could. So I think thinking holistically about the challenges uh, we're, we're, we're overcoming as well and recognizing that lots of people and companies are going through the same challenges as us. So rather than thinking, you know, our startup of five people or two people is trying to solve 
the challenge in the world. Actually, there's probably 20 other people, companies in the world, trying to do the same mm. thing or similar. How can we use our collective intelligence to make a bigger difference yeah. to the world? So I think that's really important. And I think it's from a like a humanity side that we've used the experience of, of COVID and the pandemic to individually, collectively reflect on, you know, how we want to live for a global, you know, how we want to live in the future. Also, what skills we need mm. for the future. Because I think the, the traditional markers, for example, maybe working in finance, it may be, you know, being very completely, um, like, focused on one mm. thing, a completely different skills to what we'll need when we're talking about a future where, like, radical collaboration and radical changes are going to happen very quickly. Um, so, you know, what skills do we need and what systematic changes do we need to enable that to happen? Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, overall, we need to make sure we're working collectively and collaboratively. And, you know, we'll still have competition, but, you know, if we're outdoing each other and, and solving challenges and we're solving the shared, the semi shared challenges we all have, if we're solving them together, not only can we um, create better solutions, actually, the impact can be spread further mm. as well. Absolutely. So, how do you can you picture collab makers? Uh, where are you in 2030? Yeah. So, I mean, we are hopefully we're 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 essential, or we've been essential in making mm. it happen. I mean, really, as a company, we probably shouldn't be around in 20 or 30 years because people are collaborating, um, you know, as a go-to mechanism. And maybe we are the go-to mechanism that people are using. Um, but, you know, I think our ambitions shouldn't, maybe not shouldn't be further you know we, we we really want collaboration to be seen as a go-to activity mm. and as a way for people to you know overcome challenges together and work together on initiatives and you know once that is a uh, something that's happening <laughs> as a go-to activity you know we we um you know how how much how much are we needed we'll find out but, you know, I think our biggest contributing um, thing can be to make that happen. And obviously, if we are a tool that is, we want to be a, a tool that is continuously used. And, you know, also we want to, you know, we want to have the information that makes the collaborations a success. So, you know, we know that these types of people work together. And, you know, yeah. it's a far better collaboration. And, you know, if we get different, you know, we're big believers that if we get people from different parts of the world together, then that's when the magic happens because you get different insights and you get different perspectives. So, you know, we want to be making collaborations happen. Uh, but, you know, we want to be facilitating that yeah. as well. Sounds great. And I think you're absolutely right. Collaboration is uh, is the key. 
So if there's one thing that you would like people to do after listening to this episode, big or small, what would that be? Yeah, I would say to have a think about how they can use their skills uh, to create the world they want to live in. So um, in the UK, there's a big uh, volunteering. Mm. (laughs) You know, people love volunteering. That could be working at a charity shop. If you are a computer programmer, working in a charity shop isn't probably going to make the most impact. But, you know, I saw some research last week that said most people spend five hours a day looking at their smartphone. You know, we're not going to solve the many challenges the world is facing while we're looking at our smartphone for five hours. And if we're looking at our smartphone for five hours, we probably have time enough time in the week to use our skills to, you know, whether it's to start an organisation ourselves or to, you know, work with others who are doing that. Uh, So to think how, you know, how they can use their skills to help create the world they would like to. Yeah, and I think uh, going in and register on CollabMaker would be a very good start. Yeah. yeah. So I will send yeah. people put that uh, the link in the show notes that's so that people can find can find it and I really recommend checking it out because it's it's great. So how apart from that apart from registering uh how can people contact you or follow you? Yeah. So I mean people can follow us on LinkedIn on all social media so they can follow Clubmaker on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And on Twitter, our handle is Maker Collab, but on every everything else, it's Collab Maker. They can reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn. They can email me. My email address is mark at collabmaker.com. And we, you know, we're always, myself, my wonderful colleagues, Henrik and Joachim, you know, we're very open and always happy to meet people and hear people's ideas as well. Fantastic. Great. I will put everything in the show notes. So thank you very much. We are at the end and I'm so happy that we got to meet today and I'm really supporting your work. So good luck going forward. Thank you so much. And thank you for today. It's been really good. And I have to mention one more thing. You'd also have a podcast. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, so we... <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, well, we always, we do have a podcast. And basically the idea behind that is we know lots of people are walking around with good ideas and don't know basically how what to do with them. And yeah. so we, we are, the idea behind it is to interview so experts in the field and also uh, people, purpose-driven entrepreneurs who have met, basically gone from idea in the head to making it a reality. So yeah. we, we, um, our next one is about how to turn an idea into a purpose-driven business. We had one about creating an app or a, or a platform if you've got no technical expertise. Yes, I really like that one. (laughs) Ah, good, yeah. And basically the idea is to try and break down the barriers and so you can hear real people and hear their experiences as well. So do check out our podcast as well. Yes, yes. All go and listen. Thank you very much, Mark. Talk to you 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 soon. Yeah.
Danke. Bye. So that's it. Let's now all go in and sign up on Collab Maker. I'm sure you have some thoughts about ways you could use your skills to have a bigger impact. And if not, looking around on the platform might trigger some ideas. As always, all links are in the show notes, so go check them out. Until next time, have a good week and I will be back before you know in a podcast player near you. Talk to you soon. Stories for the Future is made and edited by me, Vestlemar Klavnesberge. You will find all links and information for this episode and everything else related to this podcast on storiesforthefuture.no. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you would like to show your support and make it easier for other people to find this podcast, I would be really grateful if you would leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Stories for the Future. Until next time, go out and make a dent in the world. There's work to be done and impact to be made. And we can actually have a lot of fun along the way. <laughs>